Hey there, MuggleCast listeners! I am back to inform you of some excellent news. GoDaddy.com is having better deals than ever. For only $3.59 a month for 12 months, you can get GoDaddy.com's economy package. With 250 gigs of bandwidth, 5 gigs of storage, and up to 500 email accounts, you can get your own website up and running with success. And as usual, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Today's MuggleNet podcast is brought to you by Borders. In May, thousands of Harry Potter fans descended upon New Orleans for the Phoenix Rising Conference. Borders was there to take in the sights and share a lively discussion of the series that has bewitched the world with some of Harry's most dedicated fans. Listen in to watch the action yourself. Check out the Phoenix Rising Borders book club discussion at BordersMedia.com slash Harry Potter or click on the Borders banner at the top of the MuggleNet page. Cast live in oh gosh where are we now Detroit Novi Novi sorry it says Detroit on the website I checked the website first how's everyone doing today Hello. yeah thank you for coming out we got a good crowd here how's the panel doing well I just like to take this moment to apologize for our bad appearances because we just left Emerson's about four hours ago after no showers we just woke up and jumped in the car. That's what this what this so, this line you see right here. That's yeah. the, you guys have to keep back a little bit so we don't all suffocate you. I had, had a shower. Idea. I had a shower. <laughs> I love how you guys are cheering for the fact that Ben had a shower. Yeah, <laughs> it's a first for everything. Anyway, so uh, at all these live shows, we've been doing a little. Well, first of all, let me ask: How's everyone happy with the book? Has it? I don't have. Uh, uh, okay. Because <laughs> if you haven't, we're going to be talking about. It. We don't want to spoil it for you. So it'd be very, very. So, yeah. so, so leave, leave, leave now. Or forever hold leave your peace with being spoiled, Mikey. I think you uh, need I, I saw some of the back leave. Yeah. yeah, I think I need. We wouldn't have a lot to talk about if we didn't talk about what happened in the book. We yeah, can make yeah, more predictions really about what's going to happen. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about. All right, so we can always talk about Emerson's lo- personal life. Ooh, whatever. Spy on Sparks. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's sitting, sitting right next to us, you know. Uh, so at every live show, we've been sort of doing a main discussion, a character discussion, because uh, quite a few characters have developed in this book. And uh, today we're going to talk about Hermione. We Jamie? are. Um, so far, we've talked about Snape, Dumbledore, and we talked about anyone else, Voldemort. Uh, and it, it's been really, really interesting to get everyone's views on it. Uh, their thoughts about that character has changed with the release of the seventh book. So, you know, all through the first to six, they could have had a, a really, really strong opinion of this character. And then in the seventh, everything's just been thrown upside down with the new information we've got. So with Hermione, we've been thinking, you know, she has always been clever. She's always been very... She's always wanted to help her friends. There's always been a bit of controversy over why she was in Gryffindor and not Ravenclaw. And if, often people have wondered that. And then in the seventh book, she was a big... 
help to Harry. In fact, Ben and I think that without Hermione, Harry would probably not be alive today. Because, um, and we keep saying this, that Harry just keeps waking up, doesn't know where he is, and Hermione's there looking all bushy-haired and, you know, covered in ash, saying, oh, that was a close one again, Harry. <laughs> so she always seems to save the day, Hermione. It does seem like the uh, the seventh book was just every, like, two pages, they would have another near-death experience, and yeah. then through luck or whatever, miraculously, or Harry, Harry would, would just throw up somehow. an Expelliarmus, because that's how he, he wins everything. <laughs> Please hold for a mic change. Does it work? It works. All right, cool. So what did you guys think of Hermione uh, in the first six books? Because that's the theme we've been going for. In book seven, it's basically exactly how Hermione's been throughout all six books. But now Hermione, like all this help she's been providing Harry from Sorcerer's Stone and Half-Blood Prince has all come together in Deathly Hallows. And just like the whole book is just her helping Harry. Like that's all she's doing. What I love about Hermione is the fact that, like Harry, you know, Harry has this task. Obviously, it's it's a you know the odds of, of successfully you know tracking down all all the Horcruxes and destroying them and then defeating Voldemort. You know, his his odds aren't good, and yet he spends all his time just kind of going with the flow. Whatever happens to him happens. But Hermione is taking all this time that she has to learn as much as she can about magic and to improve herself as much as she possibly can. So in the seventh book, you see every time they're in a tight situation, Hermione always knows the right spell to use because her knowledge of magic is so superior to Harry's. Even though he may be a powerful wizard, just because he he just it's just in him. But Hermione makes the most of what she has, and that that's what I really am impressed with because she's very bookish, and I, I really like that about her. Yeah, Mikey. That's his biggest turn on, by the way. <laughs> if you can read books. Uh, no, I totally agree with both of you guys. Uh, Hermione has definitely stepped up, and uh, I think she showed a lot more courage in this book than previous books. Um, normally, she's kind of the one that doesn't want to break the rules, doesn't want to go out underneath the invisible cloak and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but now she's like, we need to do this. She realizes that you know it's either them or losing you know to Voldemort so they have to she uses all her books you know I remember reading the scene where she's packing up books like which books to take and which ones not to take I just started laughing going I can totally picture you know Emma Watson or my Hermione in my head do this just going I really want to take this book but it's about Nargles or something (laughs) absolutely completely irrelevant you know which and she's like we never know we might run into it and puts it in the pack it's like I can just see the stacks being totally lopsided where it's just like 100 books I need to take and one book about you know MuggleNet.com is what will happen here for seven. <laughs> not need to be taken. You can't leave the house with that one, Mikey. No, I don't know. She, you know, she's living it, so she might not need to take it. But it's like everything. She's just you know taking you know her knowledge is just beyond she, Harry. She, she should have taken it with us because we were pretty darn right. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, I can just imagine. You know, Hermione. Without Hermione, Harry would have been lost. Was, yeah. The- um, you know, especially you know every time he's like he wakes up he's like. Thank you, Hermione. You you saved me again. It's just like he usually seems like he's usually mad at her for like for when she broke his wand. I mean, yes, he has the right to be mad at her, but she also did save his life. Yeah, it's a little so more she, important than his wand. Yeah. And I couldn't help but thinking, Harry, come on, dude, priorities here. Yeah, it's priorities. It's, it's like face Voldemort without a wand, or have Hermione save you again. But there were so many instances where she just did stuff that he didn't even think of, like she cast protective spells spells around their campsite, which ha- which you know they were camping a great deal. So she did all that, and then she told him stuff he didn't know, like on. Grimmauld Place after they got back from the ministry and um, Yaxley got his arm around her just as they uh, disappeared and so like 
Sorry. Disappeared, disappeared. Same thing. It's been a long night. It's been a long night. Um, long drive. Long drive, yeah. So, yeah, she just did stuff that he had no idea how, how to do. So, one thing I, I also, I, I kind of got upset with Hermione about is she's too logical at certain times. Like, Harry had figured everything out. He's like, this is what we got to do. She's like, no, no, it's just a story. You know, it's just a fairy tale. It's like, no. It's the Deathly Hallows. It's the three things we need to get. No, no, it's a, it's a fairy tale. You know, Lovegood is just totally out of his mind. No, it's true. Harry was like positive, and she was completely wrong. And I like that Harry kind of proved her wrong a little bit. Yeah. See, I, I'm, it, I like Harry as somebody who 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 normally you know prides rational decision making, and that's why Hermione's one of my favorite characters. I actually thought what happened was in that when when Hermione and Harry had that divergence where Harry had to go with his gut and Hermione was wrong. I think her logic actually failed her at that point because logically we could all see from Harry's perspective that the Deathly Hallows were obviously Obviously, the reason that the invisibility cloak existed and all these uh, it, uh, the pieces were fitting together, Harry was actually being more logical than Hermione, and it was a gut feeling. It was a combination. So Hermione, well, I think Hermione just had a hard time believing in a, a, a three a story about three kids or whatever. You know. Well, I think the biggest thing for us as readers was that's the title of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's important. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the other titles. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but one of the other titles that Joe was considering was Harry Potter and the Elder Wands, which I think would have been more fitting, especially with the U.S. cover, because apparently they're in the cover is depicting them reaching for the Elder Wand, Harry and Voldemort. Uh, After they shot spells at each other, and Harry's the master of death, and the wand goes, wee, up in the air. Right, right. What other character are you really proud of, Mikey? Oh, give it up for Molly Weasley, everybody. Come on, how awesome is that? Really, like, can you imagine at that final battle, like, Molly Weasley just like, stay away from my daughter, you witch! And it's just like, she goes after Bellatrix, you know, imagine the movie, like, she's gonna be running, her cloak flies off her, she's like, come on, no! Now, 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 you guys gotta remember, she doesn't necessarily kill Bellatrix, it's just a curse. So, Molly Weasley probably uses, like, a stupefy, because she's not a mean person, but she still takes out Bellatrix. Well, no, 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 because it says, it says, Harry knew exactly what was gonna happen, before it even happened, just like what Sir- happened to Sirius. Sirius was hit by a stunning spell and fell through the veil. Straight in the chest. Straight in the chest, right below the heart. So who knows what it was. I really can't picture Molly Weasley using a Vada Kedavra. I, you know, probably she could if she really wanted to, but I can't see it. Come on, she's always making food and, you know, it, come on, really? It would be a stunning spell, I think. Or, yeah. or it could be Expelliarmus, because that's the spell of the, the book. Solution yeah, that's to everything. Harry. Open the door. It's Betty Honest. We thought it was cool that Harry used unforgivable curses. That was awesome. He, yeah. he was just like telling people what to do. Yeah. 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 Imperio. Imperio. Does, anyone, does anyone have any thoughts on Hermione? So like how she's changed with the seventh book? Or if how you, her character has developed? Here. Yeah. If you have a thought, why don't you come on up and uh, we'll give you a microphone. And you can tell us and we can respond. Anybody brave enough to get up? Anyone? I know pretty, the floor is pretty comfortable. Pretty exciting right, response so far. One thing I, I've kind of been itching for a debate about is um, I, having read the book, a lot of people told me in, in the in the book MuggleNet.com's What Will Happen in Harry Potter Seven. We predicted that Harry would live, and I'd been getting a lot of my friends calling and saying, "Ah, Harry died. You were wrong. Well, you were half right, but you were wrong because he died." But I don't think he died. No, no. I, I, no. I think it's pretty clear Did that Harry he wasn't live? dead. Dumbledore actually says, "Harry asks him, am I dead?" And Dumbledore says, "On the whole, I think not." Clearly, you can't be. Uh, you're either dead or you're not. Like there's, like, and 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 it's Harry's clearly in like kind of like a transitional kind of uh, uh, between life and death. But there's J.K. Rowling has been very clear in the past that you can't come back from the dead. Right, so right. he wasn't dead. 
So if anybody wants to debate that, I'm spoiling for a fight right now. <laughs> He's very angry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This no guy challenges. back here wants Uh-oh. to say something. Uh, what? Why don't you come on up here and use the microphone? Because it is an audio podcast. Right. We want to hear your voice hear on it. the podcast. Yeah. So you can go download it yourself. Be like, that's me, everybody. Listen. That's what I do. Every time I'm on the show, I'm like, oh, it's me. Oh. What's your name? Where are you from? Uh, my name's Steve. I'm from Jackson, Michigan. Prison City. Yeah. Anyway, um, I was just kind of curious. I... I don't think he was really dead or alive. You know, he was a master of death. I think that's why he was given the choice, kind of in that purgatory of, you know, the train station. You know, Dumbledore said, well, you can either go. Because, as you know, his scar was gone. He no longer needed his glasses. So, I mean, in a way, I think he was kind of dead. Well, there's, I, no, I agree with you. I think that that train station was probably, I, someone uh, mentioned an event um, in Valparaiso, Indiana, that maybe the reason why he was at a train station for the purgatory is because it's very symbolic of having to choose. Do you, which train do you get should on? Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. <laughs> well played. And, uh, Thanks, guys. But either way, we're in agreement that he wasn't actually dead. He didn't decide to get on that train. No, it was all in because his head. It was all in his head. That's and, what and Dumbledore, Dumbledore explained that he still had the anchor to life because of the whole blood thing like yeah. with, with uh, Voldemort's blood. I, but I think the point about what Joe has said multiple times, once you're dead, you can't come back, yeah. even even in the magical world. Except that's very clear theory. about that. Yeah. Well, no, but you can come Zombies. back, but you just can't come back as yourself. Right. You can come back as your... Right, but as, Harry's himself. Uh, yeah, he is, yeah. So... Um, Actually, wait, hold, hold on. I have a question about the dead. Did anyone else think in Fury we we're going to play like a role because they've been talking about? Him? I'm like, I was expecting like Harry Potter and the zombies, but like, <laughs> there was no in Fury. Like, it just like it was a big part in like book six as the ring or the locket, and like that's it. That would be awesome if it was a kind of sixth sense thing where we think Harry came back from the dead, but he, he didn't really. He's yeah. actually dead, and no one talks to him now. And he wonders why for so long, and then he realizes, and then he's you know Ginny just takes off her ring and throws it down, and then everything fades to black. Oh, what a fitting oh, end, Ginny. I- I think the thing that surprised me the most is the fact that we never saw the veil again. Yeah. Yeah. I thought or the, the veil, Department of Mysteries in yeah. general, really. You know, the the mysterious locked door, and I thought that was going to be almost central. I figured yeah. that might even be you know where the end of the book is, or that that would just be crucial to the final. The well, final. I read a spoiler online, which I thought was a spoiler originally, uh, where Voldemort and Harry go to the Ministry of Magic, and they're in that circular room where the love door is. And they're fighting. And I can't remember how they were fighting, but Harry opens this door to the, to the love room and this huge burst of light comes out and it completely destroys Voldemort, but it heals him because he's pure at heart. And I believed it. And I've been told off for believing this because it doesn't sound realistic. But it, uh, you know what? I read if the you'd same read it, you'd have believed it too. You know I, Jimmy, I think I read the same thing, but this time Harry sent him a Valentine's Day <laughs> and killed him that way. I believe that one too. Well, while we're making random observations... <laughs> Um, I thought one of the coolest scenes in the whole movie was when Creature rallied the house elves to come fight in the battle. Yeah. And creature really made a full 180 in this. He uh, really did. I, I, we did not see the Creature storyline. We saw the first part with, with the Regulus Black and the Horcrux, but we didn't think that you know a little bit of kindness in Creature would just turn into this, you know, this cool little house elf. And, but I thought one thing that surprised me a little bit was these house elves are supposed to be capable of some really, really powerful magic. So why do they come out? Why are they knives, banging on yeah. knees with like spatulas and egg beaters and stuff? 
That is very I'm true. Like, I, I, I thought they'd be laying, like, really laying the smack down with some seriously powerful magic, but... It reminded me of... Frying uh, pants. Have you seen The Mummy, the film? Anyone seen The Mummy? They, yeah. they remind me of those beetles that come over and just devour you in one second. I can just imagine all these house elves crawling on top of Voldemort and him just going down and just seeing a hand disappear. <laughs> Right, know, right at the end, like that. that is a really weird mental image. I, 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 I kind of, <laughs> as I said, it was a late night. You know, for uh, for the house elves, I kind of saw them like Ewoks. You know, yeah. they're, they're just coming up and you know they're taking you know swinging from the rafters. Ewoks, with, you know, the cleavers be like ah, it'd be cool. Oh yeah, straight out of the third Star Wars movie. Ex- yeah, yeah. six technically. But anyway, am I the only one who's never seen Star Wars? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Pretty much. Sorry. It's all right, Andrew. Yeah, I never get any of these references you make. Or Lord of the Rings, never saw it. Or oh, Pokemon. I well, po- I've seen Pokemon. That's too. the biggest crime, I tell you. <laughs> the I Pokemon one. Jamie likes to draw parallels to Pokemon I all do, the time. I do. It's good. There's a lot of them. There are. There are several. Yeah. I like them. Can't come up with them right now. Okay, anyway. Anyone have any more thoughts on Hermione? Anyway, yeah, come on up here. Yeah, yeah, come, come up. up. You got to come up here. You got to be on the microphone. Fine, fine. Come on up. Creature, Hermione. They're kind of like the Hermione same character, creature. not really. But here, use this mic. Exactly. Uh, what? Uh, whoa, where are you going? She wants Jamie's okay, microphone. You don't want to talk to me. It. It's cool. I still love you guys. No. Okay. okay Whatever, my name. Really. Yeah, your name. Name. Where you're from? Okay, my, my name's Ariana URL. Beamer. I'm from <coughs> New Baltimore, Michigan, and <laughs> that's my friends. And um, about creature, what I thought was um, about how he changed after Harry showed kindness to him is how is another example of how love plays such an important role in the books. Like, all Creature really wanted was someone to love him, and that's why he felt connected to Mrs. Black and Narcissa and Bellatrix, because they showed care, they cared for him, or they pretended to, at least. So when Harry started to care for, to care for him, he really started to come around and become more good than he was. I thought it was really. I, I actually thought it was. I thought it was a really almost like a sweet story. Like yeah. you, you think about how. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna turn to a puddle of tears here in a minute. But like, you know, all it took was just a little bit of kindness. And I wonder, you know, maybe there's some people in each of your lives or in my life that I haven't maybe treated kindly, and you know, some people that you just you just really, really, really dislike. And you and and then maybe if I showed him a little bit of kindness, you know, at some point, maybe maybe Mikey would maybe Mikey would love me back. You know. Oh, I do, Emerson. Uh, speaking I of do. all this loving kindness, how about Dudley? Showing uh, some love for him. That was lame. I mean... I'm Big D. I didn't know he was capable of being so romantic. Me too. Put it there, Harry Potter. I'm Big D. I don't think you're a waste of space. That was just one of those things where you were just like, no, it's so out of place. It doesn't make sense. Maybe we had some more explanation, but there was none. Can I just check? Is your name the same as Dumbledore's? I hope your life is better than hers. Really? <laughs> what, what's your name? But you're alive. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. you're alive. That's the difference. There's a difference there. And not crazy. Yeah. Okay. She wasn't always crazy. And not kept. All right. Well, you're not in public though, so clearly you're you're safe. <laughs> Are you a witch? So. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Any other points? And then we'll open up the floor. We'll, we'll just have an open discussion about the book, anything that's been bugging you or anything that uh, hasn't been bugging you. Has anyone seen the fifth movie yet? Yeah, first is go. You guys saw yes. a Creature in that, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 remember after Harry's nice to him, he got all nice and clean with, like, puffs of white. Yeah. Isn't that, it's going to be amazing to see. Like, he's just going to be, like, a really goofy-looking house elf. 
And so I'm excited for that, too. This whole time I was reading the book, uh, I couldn't help but think about what they're going to do for the movie. Because it, we're so, we just came out of the movie, so I couldn't help but have it on my mind. And they're going to have to cut so much. It's going to be disgusting, some of the things that they do. Let's do an eight-hour movie. Yeah, eight-hour movie. Yeah, there you go. That's what yeah. I've been saying. Peter Jackson doing Peter an eight-hour Jackson. movie. So, Peter Jackson. What's your name and where are you from? Um, I'm Jackie. I'm from Birmingham, Michigan. Those are my friends. Okay. Um, Mikey had said that Hermione was way too logical when they were talking about the Deathly Hallows. And I don't think that's true because, like, if you look at Xenophilius Lovegood, he's completely insane. Like, he wears a hat and, like, the thing is, like, he's cross-eyed and, and, like, the book is from, like, the, I don't know, the Babbity Rabbit, I don't know what it's called anymore, but, um, like, they're children's stories. Like, she's right. Like, I, if, I think if I was in that situation, I would agree. Well, my one argument to that is Dumbledore gave her that book and Dumbledore is a pretty smart guy. Well, I... <laughs> That, honest, that's why I think that actually Hermione was being illogical for once because she was ignoring the evidence, the fact that the invisibility cloak existed. That's already that's evidence of at least one of the Deathly Hallows. And then Harry thinks he, he figures out where the stone is. And then Voldemort is obviously looking for the wand, and Voldemort's pretty smart. So all those pieces falling together should indicate that maybe it's more than just a story. I agree with Emerson. Yeah. <laughs> See, things are turning around between us. High five. Yeah! We're friends again! Friends. I, w- I wonder why Mr. Lovegood I don't know how to pronounce his first name so I'm just gonna Xenophilus Xenophilus uh, I wonder I wonder why he trusted the Deathly Hollows so much like that story why was he why was he part of this group of people who were dedicated to searching you know, for it when, when he like why does he need it what, why does he care what other quest does it remind you of like the search of three objects like that like the Holy Grail yeah just yeah. It's, it's exactly what I got reminded of I got reminded of um the Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown, if anyone's read it, and like searching for and a group of people coming together, mostly in secret because no one else knows about them really, uh, to search for them. That was interesting. Yeah, good point. Miss um, Girl Jamie? Um, I just wanted to see what you guys what's thought. Your, what's about. your name? And- oh, Amanda Baden. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. What's so, um, well, my brother's favorite character is Dobby, and so when he was reading the book, he was like, oh my god, the worst thing just happened, and I was yeah. like freaking out. And then um, I read it, and you know, saw that he died. And me and my sister were reading what will happen in the seventh book, and it said Dobby hundred to one that he wasn't going <laughs> to die. So I want to know what you thought about that. You can't be perfect. Like um, we did not sign off on that. It was a misprint. Yeah, frankly, so. frankly, I'm future editions of the book will be changed to reflect the true odds that we intended. One to one hundred. Frankly, I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't predict Dobby's death. I would feel like a slimy person if I predicted that death. Yeah. Same that with Hedwig. How, how do you predict the death of an owl? Oh. God. Is anyone well, is everyone sad when Hedwig and that Dobby was, died? Yeah, that Those were very of, sad deaths. Dobby was how one of the saddest sad? deaths. Dobby? Well, Dobby's Hedwig. How is Hedwig? Owl. I agree, Ben. Dude, I agree I'm with the big eyes, Ben. Hedwig's been with him for so, all I mean, his years. I didn't feel any emotional attachment to her. I just thought it... Yeah, nobody had an emotional attachment to Hedwig, except for Harry. It was one of those things. No, but seriously, I, I, it, it, it just came so fast. It was a surprise. What, did anyone else up here find it emotional? Emo? Did you cry, Andrew? No, I didn't. I, I, I did feel for Dobby, though, because of the way that J.K. Rowling described it. Harry picked up his little body and carried it over. It was just very sad. Aww. Yeah, it's so exciting. So, okay. I didn't expect him to die of Beltrick stabbing him. That was just kind of <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah. But. 
That would have been like what ten thousand to one odds. Yeah. Yeah. Except I predicted it. Hi. What's your not name? Really. Where are you from? Jillian. I'm from Canton, Michigan, not Ohio. <laughs> no. No, I'm good. This is far enough for me to travel. I have two things to say though. One about the veil or about the locked room. Um, they explained in the fifth book uh, in that room was pure love, and I think like bringing that into the story later would have made it really corny and hokey, and really would have taken away from like Harry Potter in general. What? Why did she mention it though? Because she made a big deal out of it. She mentioned it because Dumbledore was talking to Harry about it, about how he fought off Voldemort in the book because he loved Sirius and he was full of so much love, and that's what it was brought up to when they were talking about Sirius's death. And I think the only reason we ever saw the door was as a setup for that scene with Harry and Dumbledore. And then as far as the house elves goes, using the the knives and spatulas and that stuff, they were all essentially enslaved, I guess. They worked for um, Hogwarts, and so they could only be they could only use magic when they were given permission to. The headmaster yeah. was Snape, and Snape was already dead by then. Dobby I mean, only ever used um, magic. On another wizard, because that was illegal, um, after he was freed in Chamber of Secrets, and that was only to protect Harry. And also, they've just come from a kitchen, and if you can't find knives and forks there, <laughs> and where can you find them? Right. Thank you. Uh, okay, um, I'm Danielle Miro. I'm from St. Clair Shores, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to go back to Hermione, because I think her story had its own theme to it entirely. Um, at first when you see her she's smart and she's clever and she always follows the rules and as the books go on she keeps breaking more rules and more rules and getting used to it and I think it really teaches people civil disobedience and how it's not always right to go along with what everyone else is saying it's not always the right thing to be doing they're more like guidelines anyway (laughs) (laughs) here uh, here. this guy right here this guy's been waiting Right here. What's your name? Where are you from? My name is Les. I'm from Farmington, Michigan. Not too far from here. How, in, in Snape's memory, when he's talking to Dumbledore from behind his desk, and he's talking about giving the sword to Harry and how he's going to uh, tell the Death Eaters the real date, how is he talking to Dumbledore when he's not the headmaster yet? He doesn't become headmaster until the ministry falls, and that doesn't happen until after the wedding. Perhaps he put perhaps Dumbledore put enchantments on the thing so Snape could get in. Didn't we talk the other day about? We need to reread that chapter. Was that after? That was during the Prince's well, Tale, correct? It was, it was his whole his whole memory situation, and right. it was essentially how the whole situation with him and Dumbledore gets set up and how well, Andrew, Dumbledore uses Snape to plant everything for Andrew, Harry. Andrew, didn't we discuss, I think it was yesterday, that uh, the office opens in terms of worthiness, not on whether you're the headmaster. So even though Umbridge was the headmistress in the time of Book 5, uh, it wouldn't open for her, first of all, because it didn't think she was worthy, whereas I think Snape would have been a very, very right. worthy person to get in. Yeah, we did talk about My that. only... Uh, thing that I can think of is possibly since it is summer there's no students in that castle and I'm sure the protections would be to keep you know bad people up death ears out but since Snape was able is supposed to be able to get in Dumbledore would have made sure for that he probably couldn't have gotten to the headmaster's office he needed to get in as well he needed to be able to get in and be able to talk to Dumbledore so he snuck in before probably, the yeah probably snuck in because again there's nobody there other than maybe Filch and Mrs. Norris or something like that right. yeah. and I'm sure Snape could have probably 
awarded them. And for a completely unrelated tangent here, um, just want to just just real quick. Um, ben and I, we spent the entire summer um, take every every book. So we went to over like thirty five cities, and every city we went to, we spent usually a good half hour just defending a certain theory that was not popular. And have, just want to take a moment, real quick, to toot our own horn. Harry is a Horcrux, and we called it. We called it. <laughs> Give it up for Ben Shane and Emerson Sparks. They know and, what's up. And Jamie Lawrence, who also wrote Jamie Lawrence. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry, Jamie. It's right, Jamie. You're always right to me. <laughs> but it's just, it's just extremely. I, we, I just, we just feel extremely vindicated now because everybody hated us for liking that theory, and we got so much uh, pressure to like to, to to give in. Right, Ben? Thank but God we, we, we held firm. We, we held uh, firm. We still haven't released the Los Angeles leaky mug because there was a big debate there. Ooh. And we, so should, oh, yeah. we, we should still release I, it. Just I, the it truth. was basically, I had it out with John and Melissa over the Horcrux theory. It was pretty, pretty intense. And Melissa was paging through the books the whole entire time trying to and prove then, it wrong. And then a few days later, we get this email from Melissa saying, oh, I have it now. There's no way you can get, get your way out of this one. And she <laughs> gave us like this big explanation for why Harry couldn't be a Horcrux, how it was absolutely impossible for him to be a Horcrux. <laughs> and then she went to Pottercast.com, made the same post, and yeah. <laughs> what Dumbledore says, Harry is a Horcrux. Harry, you are the seventh Horcrux. I got so excited when I got the line. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was like Ben's reaction. He's just like, ah! <laughs> I just went nuts. Okay, yeah. next question. Okay, uh, I'm Steven. I'm 13, and I'm from Gross Point Woods, Michigan. And um, Woo! I was wondering, Ooh, pickle pack member too, about the house ghosts. We learn a lot about them at the end of the seventh book because we learned that the the gray lady from Ravenclaw um, was the daughter of Rowena Ravenclaw, and she was killed by the Bloody Baron. And um, I was just wondering, like the other two ghosts, the Fat Friar and Nearly Headless Nick. If they have some relation to Hogwarts and like some event in their life happened there that made them the ghost of of Hogwarts, so I was wondering if we might find out about that and like when she writes the encyclopedia. So, not if she said she would. She said she was going to. That is the kind of thing she'd write about like Hogwarts ghosts, huh? That is the kind of thing she'd write about Hogwarts ghosts and their background because she said she's she's going to give background on a lot of characters, Dean Thomas. Uh, specifically, yeah. so there's going to be a lot of information in there. And she yeah. did mention that she's right now she's writing two different things, one of which is for kids and the other isn't. So I think she may be working on the encyclopedia as the one for kids, or maybe even something else. But yeah, probably. and then f- the one for adults would be some kind of like I really think she's going to write fiction, and it could be it could be you know, crime fiction or mysteries. She obviously loves mysteries, so well, we'll see. Well, she's been working on a children's book, a short one, a very short one, but. No word about that yet, like what exactly it's about. So, um, here, let's go here and then you can come up. Hi. Hello, my name is Carla Cost and I'm with the Central Michigan University chapter of Dumbledore's Army. Nice. That's right, we're cool. And um, the thing that I really wanted to point out is we were talking about how Hermione had changed so much as a character. But I think we kind of neglected Ron a little bit. And um, the reason I bring that up, especially between Harry and Ron, their relationship is um, the part where Ron sort of come back, comes back and admits that he was wrong. And I just think that that is such a departure from the fourth book when he couldn't even apologize for 
not believing in Harry and sort of not talking to him for half the year. But he did eventually, though. Not really. Well, like, it depends how guys apologize. He came back. Yeah, yeah like, that is how guys apologize. Yeah, that, that's how. No, that was, come on, me and Emerson just made up in front of all you guys. See, that's how we, we do. We were feuding. Just we're like, I don't understand. No. But that was a book seven sort of uh, apology. There was a hug. That's tomorrow's talk. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was also like the, the feud. The, you know, the fight in book seven was it was a much bigger fight than the one in book four. I thought because the circumstances were so much different. But I, I do agree. Ron has matured somewhat. I mean, he's still the same Ron, but I think that he's come a long way since. But now he's read a book on how to charm a witch or whatever it was. Yeah. That's doubling his knowledge of the subject, probably. Is yeah. uh, Harry considered a witch? Did he charm Harry? He may have used some of the techniques, Mikey. I don't know. We okay, have to we should stop this conversation <laughs> right now. <laughs> Let's stop. I can't hear any more from this. Thank you. This woman right here? The Mark on the tree? Hi, my name is Kelly. I'm from Commerce Township. And I want to talk to you guys about um, Professor Quirrell a little bit. Now that we know all of the Horcruxes and how they were determined and, and found out and destroyed, what do you guys think about, or I guess what's the common theory about what Quirrell was as far as had he stumbled upon a Horcrux? Had he, how did Voldemort possess him? And does it have anything to do with the Horcruxes? I think, okay, to me, a Horcrux, the Horcruxes themselves... The night that Voldemort was killed, it wasn't like Pettigrew or someone had to go activate a Horcrux so that piece of soul could be floating around or whatever. He was just that vapor mort, as I like to call it. He was just that that apparition of his former self. You know, it was that soul or whatever you want to call it floating around. And as long as the Horcruxes remained on the earth, that that airy soul or whatever can remain also. And so that that's what possessed Quirrell. Quirrell didn't find a Horcrux. Yeah, but I think. It was like a voluntary possession from Quirrell. I don't think Voldemort took over him. I think there was like a talk and he persuaded him and he manipulated yeah. him to his will. Yeah. And that's why he, he was on the back of his head for an entire book. Yeah. That must be weird. Yeah. Can you imagine walking backwards to see? Yeah. It was like, Can you imagine showering? That must have been tough. They must have practiced oh, that. Weird. <laughs> it was like, don't get the No privacy there. Yeah, and when he sits down on the toilet, yeah, Voldemort just every has time. to face a wall for like 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> All right, another that question. That can't be fun. Next one. Okay, I'm Robin Cohen, and I'm from Livonia, Michigan. And so when I was when I was reading the first one, I was thought it was like kind of you know corny how Harry caught the snitch in his mouth, and that was like he swallowed it. I couldn't really see that, but I thought it was pretty cool how it. I never thought it would tie back into the seventh book, yeah. where you know it would have it helped him so much because when he was trying to like see if it would open and it touched his hand and you know if he would have just caught it then it would have opened and they would have saw that the stone was in it but he did the mouth thing and thought that was pretty cool yeah in this in this book there's a lot of things that you see coming back and i think it was just joe's way of paying tribute to everything in the past six books take for example oliver wood making the random appearance in the book Mikey commented the other day that he's definitely going to be one of the things cut from the actual movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Mikey. Wood. He's pretty central. There's, still, but, there's probably still that petition out there. Yeah, I bring, you guys remember bring that. the wood back. Yeah. I'm trying to, what, what other little things were in the book? I just remember reading throughout the entire book a lot of little things that reflect Norbert. Yeah. Um, what's that? What's, Norberta. Oh, good point. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Um, Percy Weasley coming back was good as well. Percy Weasley coming back was good, yeah. yeah. I was hoping we'd see the Mira Vera set. I was hoping that was going to be one yeah. of the Horcruxes, like the Ravenclaw one or something. The Chamber of Secrets coming back, yeah, that was another thing. Ron suddenly learning parcel mouth. Um, no, it's because he had the diary, dude. not the diary, but the, the, the Horcrux around us. Yeah. I still don't really understand that at all. Like why Ron sense. was able to just you know like hiss? Yeah, so yeah we told him speak parcel tongue. Well, I, I don't think it was that simple. I mean, the reason that Ginny was able to open the Chamber of Secrets was because she had the diary, and and Ron had the locket. So it's like the same thing. But I always thought, but but for, I mean, for destroying the Horcrux, I mean, Harry had to use the Basilisk Venom to do yeah. it, and Ron was able to open it up just by, I, I, I guess hissing. If, if that's all you need to speak parcel tongue. Wow. <laughs> It, just seemed, it was kind of strange. And M.M., M., I always thought that the ability to speak past the time was an ability rather than a learned thing. So, like, you know, you can't just, you can't learn it like another language here. Kind of like how, like, how chimp, like, we can speak chimp, you know, like, <laughs> but they can't speak but they, human. But they can't, they can't talk like this, yeah. you know? Someone's saying imitating the sound works the same way, but I don't... Yeah. Ron didn't know what he was like you think of the, oh, like true, the yeah. zillions of combinations. You can listen to someone try to speak English, and then you probably won't get hardly any English right anyway because you can just make up words that yeah, sound exactly. like English but actually aren't. Because if you, yeah, I think it's clear that the reason he was able to do it was because he had the locket. I mean, yeah. he was wearing yeah. the locket. Otherwise, and then he, just he imitated the sound. <laughs> oh, wait, there's a lot of debate going on. What? I Pull think up the book, the, Andrew. That I swear he was wearing wrong. the thing. Get mad, okay? Get angry. We'll double check. Get fired up. I, yesterday in Chicago, everyone seemed to agree with it, but uh, come on up. Well, well, hold on one second about that. The Chamber of Secrets is only supposed to open for the heir of Slytherin by him having the locket and even having a little bit essence of Voldemort so, who was the heir of Slytherin, it would have opened for him. So I back Ben completely on it. It was destroyed, but it had been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had the cup. He had, no, he he had, had one cup, of the Horcruxes. That's all I meant. Cup, okay. yeah. Exactly. We're just splitting hairs here, people. He, Come so on. regardless, it opened because he had Someone part of Voldemort with that. him. Someone he could had have a Horcrux in some shape or form. Ben, Ben, that was an excellent test, and they passed with flying colors. Well done. <laughs> they realized it was you the cup. You guys did read the book. Yeah. All right, guys. Well done. Ben was right. Okay. Next question. Let's go on. Maybe we should read the book now. I just read the spark notes. Sorry. Chapter one. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Alex, and I'm from Allen Park, Michigan, which is woo, really small. Um, I was wondering, just I thought it was interesting how in the seventh book it was like the Malfoys, like this amazing family. Now they like help them out just because they're worried about Draco, and before it didn't seem like they really cared. And now, it's, yeah, and now it's just like, oh my gosh, my son! I agree. That, that I think that came good. from Narcissa more than yeah. more than Lucius, but eventually, in the end, he came around. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of a, a sweet way for the Malfoys to go out. I mean, because I thought I thought Draco and Lucius were definitely goners, but we were wrong. Yeah, yeah. Even in Half Blood Prince, it seemed like Narcissa cared for Draco. She was worried for him, wasn't? Yeah. yeah. So uh, next. Next question. Because the difference is the, the, their their loyalty to their son was much greater than their loyalty to Voldemort. I re- okay, 
Um, I'm Kate from Manchester, Michigan. Interrupt first. I remember you. You were. Uh, there, I did an event in uh, Maryville, Indiana, uh, like a couple weeks ago, and like she, I remember though, it was way after the event was yeah. over, and then she came with her family afterwards. Yeah, we so, were late. Yeah, just saw this girl come in with a Muggle Cash shirt. Like after the event, like, hmm, what was she here for? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was thinking, okay, if Voldemort was descended from the Peverells and Harry was, wouldn't they be related? Like, I just think that's weird. Distant, distant, distant. Right. Like third cousins, second move. But I don't think Harry's related to Slytherin, because that would just be weird. That's like saying, there's a saying we're all, what, five degrees away from Kevin, six degrees away from Kevin Bacon. I haven't confirmed that with me personally. I don't know if anyone has, but yeah, so. All right, you get someone from over this side? Yeah. Uh, I'm John26 from Wayne, Michigan, MySpace slash Orco33. Thank you. You're the first person to actually do it. Yeah, I thought so. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still more wondering why Harry was the master of the Elder Wand. He took Draco's Hawthorne Wand from him, but he didn't take the Elder Wand from him, so why was he the master of the Elder Wand? It's because... Uh, Mikey? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, um, this theory that Mikey's been doing for this is amazing. Okay, Go on, Mikey. Okay, well, well, all right. Voldemort first went to Ollivander and asked, like, why did his wand not beat Harry's, blah, 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 all that. And he asked Harry, once Harry rescued Ollivander, he's like, does the person that, you know, can gain possession or win the wand have to kill him? No. That's what actually Dumbledore did to Grindelwald. He didn't kill him. He still had the wand. The person that disarmed and actually won the wand from, from uh, Dumbledore was Draco. Doesn't mean he even has to have it in possession. He is now the master of it. The wand recognizes the master regardless. And then once he was defeated, though. I, I, I agree. But he also, Harry disarmed and defeated Draco, who was the master of that wand. The master recognized that Harry was the wizard who had earned it, who had won it. Now, what happened was, even though Voldemort had thought he was the master, the wand recognized that Harry was the actual master and would not try to kill its own master because he was the rightful owner of that. That's why the spell backfired. Give it up for Mikey B, everybody. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> ben Shane knew it. He just wanted me to talk about it. Okay. Let's go right Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. And um, I was just wondering, um, I was just going to say, finally, Harry... Or, I mean, Ron and Hermione, I mean, give it up, finally. And I just wanted to know what you guys, like, if you thought it was going to turn out any other way. I didn't think it would turn no. out with a kid named Hugo. Yeah, uh, Hugo's yeah. kind of, that was a bit weird. <laughs> See, I actually thought I was a secret Harry Hermione shipper all these years. Ooh. Oh. On the, website, yeah. on the website, when I called all Harry Hermione shippers delusional, I was just kidding, you know. <laughs> it was all a front. I it was kind of funny though. I think well. it was. I thought it was funny how Joe kind of gave Harry Hermione shippers a little bit of hope in that like, that one instant. You know, when there's the when Ron comes up upon those whatever they were the the figures that yeah that started making out. Yeah, I feel like she may have dashed their hopes a few times in the past to yeah. where they shouldn't be getting their hopes up for any reason at no, all. But, while but, reading the book. but you don't know Harry Hermione shippers. They I think I do, every, actually. Every strand of hope possible. <laughs> well, what about when they actually finally got together and kissed? Oh, no. It's like, can you just imagine Harry going like, guys, 
<laughs> they have a horror custom uh, horror, yeah. So, you know, tapping his foot, you know, looking at his watch. I can't let that go. I'm sorry, Mikey. <laughs> I can't let that go. That's my joke that I've used every <laughs> single show so far. Mikey this. has stolen like ten people's right, jokes right, this, wait, this wait, show. Wait, wait. <laughs> there's, there's been this running thing on this tour where we started off the first show with all these new and original hilarious jokes, and now with the b- being the fifth show in now we're all just stealing each other's jokes whoever can steal the jokes first so Mikey, Mikey's thing about give it up for Molly Weasley was stolen by Ben yesterday twice, no twice in a row and so I had to do it right away in the show I so said, Ben couldn't I said, do it right before I said Mikey don't even waste time don't even say hello just go right out with saying give it up for Molly Weasley because come on so Molly Weasley everyone you're <laughs> awesome see yeah Take Ben, that, ben, ben do you want to form a and like an alliance with me against Mikey stealing the jokes. Yeah. I remember creature, okay? Quick fire all of Mikey's jokes out straight <laughs> away. I, I, was, I would tell you how many jokes today Mikey's stolen of mine, but that would take way too long. Cause like <laughs> there is ten. one thing you, you've been doing every show you haven't done it yet. Oh, Ben, Ben, I think it's always nice to have an inspirational quote every show, you know, like something that teaches us about life. So do you have any? It is our choices, Harry. <laughs> Far more than our abilities to determine what we truly are. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. A couple, couple, we're almost out of time, so a couple more from this side. Okay. Um, I'm Emma from Livonia. And I was wondering what do you think that Harry never does anything worse to all the Death Eaters that are coming after him than stun them or use Expelliarmus? And why doesn't he do anything worse? I mean, they keep coming after anything. I mean, you think he'd do something. See, if you're looking at it from like completely rational point of view, you think Harry should at least do the, like the full body bind or something that's not going to like wear off right away, yep. or or something that because I mean he he'll like he'll you know impediment to them or something, and then 30 seconds later they'll be chasing him again, and you're thinking, Harry, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like I I don't really understand. Like if, you can't be too rational about spell choice because it seems like you would only use like once you just use Imperio on every single person in a battle, and then you'd have you know their own little army of people. I mean. <laughs> It's it's not you can't you can't rationalize it. I've tried too hard. My brain hurts. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you, this guy. Um, How is, uh, you, your twin here today? It's, it's just support. No, it's cool. Okay. Uh, it's Steve from Jackson, and I was just curious if anybody else was angry that they were able to break into the room of requirement in the fifth movie because I was I was oh, yeah. I was it totally defeats the the point of the room for I the agree. rest of the the movies. These are the. These are the stupid. These are these are the stupid cuts that they have to keep making in order to cut down the movie. But how's time. that? But doesn't that make you hate Umbridge a little bit more because yeah, she's the one right. that actually does it? Yeah, but but it was just I'm like. Sorry, well, I mean, they had already her. screwed up. They had uh, who was it? Neville walking in front of the the wall, and then it just opened up, and then so it's just these dumb little things. Maybe not to cut down on time, but it's a shame that they do this. Okay, um, my name's Katie Rick. I'm from New Baltimore, Michigan. And um, I was just wondering if anybody else was kind of confused about the fact that Voldemort had said the whole time that he wanted a seven-part soul. Now, that would include the part of soul that was in his body. So if Harry was the seventh Horcrux, and there were seven Horcruxes, then wouldn't it technically be an eight to. He didn't mean to make Harry, though. That's the... Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) So so he'd have had six originally, and then he was hoping to kill Harry, so then he'd have had the six Horcruxes and himself... So the seventh part Wait, of soul would be in him. But then he, he, he accidentally made, made Harry a Horcrux. So he sp- split his soul one final time, one time when he didn't mean to, and half of it went inside Harry. 
Dumbledore says it got encased. No, sorry, it attached it itself, itself to, to the, the only living, it, only living thing the in the room, which was Harry. So he didn't mean to make Harry, Harry a Horcrux. But wasn't he going to make a seventh Horcrux with them? Well, well no, yeah. he'd already or had seven. He no, no, he had six. And then he Wait, Nagini. Nagini was the... Was the final one, yeah. Right, and he made... I, I, I think he hasn't had Nagini that long, I don't think. I don't think he made Nagini into a Horcrux until after he got his body back or the death yeah. of Frank Bryce. So that's a point. Uh, so I think it actually would be eight Horcruxes then. Or yeah, there are eight. There were eight in the end. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> Voldemort <laughs> sucks. Eight, 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 no, no, eight yeah, pieces sorry, of soul, yeah. seven Horcruxes. Yeah, yeah, because there's still like the master soul and the vapor mort that Ben calls it. Yeah, you know, it's floating around. All right, one last question for today. You uh, you corrected me when I said Norbert was. I said Norbert, Norberta, Nor- Norbert's a Norbert's a girl, right? Yeah. Um, I'm Colin from Fenton, Michigan, and and I was thinking that in the epilogue, when um, they saw Draco and his wife and his son, it was kind of mean to name his son Scorpius. <laughs> I am Scorpius. The evil. Well, would you like to would, would would you like to have been named Scorpius? No. No. How old? Are you? I would love to be named Scorpius. Uh, I'm ten. Ten years old. Give it up for this guy. He's a smart kid. <laughs> Scorpius. What do you think of Hugo? No, I didn't. I didn't like that. Yeah, Hugo. Yeah, it was weird. We had been. We had read the epilogue before the book came out. I could have sworn it was a fake because of the name Hugo. I was like, Joe wouldn't name someone Hugo. That's <laughs> just silly. Andrew. Shouldn't you check that no one here is called Hugo first or has any friends called Hugo? Anyone Hugo? Actually, audience? actually, no. Um. The thing about Hugo is someone sent me an email that's, that gave a reason, like, what Why? Hugo means, like, the etymology. Sorry, what? what? How? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, well, but why would you choose Hugo? Could have been Henry or something. Like, yeah, you know, or didn't have to name him Hugo. Harry, yeah. Why, why not, not Harry? Harold? Because Harold's not much better than Hugo. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I read reason that it was something to do with uh, the etymology behind the name, the word Hugo, whatever it was. It was good though. That's all I remember. But <laughs> well, next show. I mean, the Scorpius name is probably from the constellation. You know, Draco's a constellation. Scorpius. You know, there's probably a serious a, a, yeah. th- a tr- trend Al- there. Is uh, Alex around here? Alex Carpenter. <sighs> Where's Alex at? He's at my that wizard rock. Where's he at? He's elusive. We can He's warming have, uh, up. Is he coming? We can, we can have... What's he doing? Why is it? He's working. There he is. Oh, there he is. Alex Carpenter, everybody. The Remus Lupins. <laughs> Alex, this how you doing door today? is really big. Huh? I was just in the back, but it yeah. took all that weight. That working up your set over. list right now? You ready yeah. For, ready for I the forgot today? what songs we're, we're supposed to play. We're going to get out of here for now, but Alex is going to play some yes. awesome wizard rock music in just a minute. And Woo! once again, once again, before we go, thank you to the wonderful Border staff, and also thank you to Adam Bromberg running the merchandising table. He's been great and wonderful and, and fun and awesome. And Wait. speaking of merchandise... Sure. You would. Uh, it's been over six months since we've been able to sell Mugglenet T-shirts, and for the first and last time, you have an opportunity to buy them now for fifteen dollars. The ones we're wearing up here, they're slightly different, but they're even cooler. No, we're not no, allowed to sell that, them. We're not allowed to sell them on the website anymore, but we have some in stock. So, 
Also, MuggleCast t-shirts, Remus Lupin shirts, too. Uh, all Another cost $15. How much are your CDs. CDs? How much are they? Five? Let's just come and say hi after the show. Let's not do okay. commercial right now. <laughs> all right, fine. Also, <laughs> want to thank Brandon back here for doing the audio. Thanks, buddy. Give it up for Brandon. And thank you guys for coming and being awesome. Right, Andrew? Yes. Yes, yes. Alex. Yes. Uh, one other thing. Just stick around here. We'll meet you guys after uh, the Wizard Rock show. So stick around. Alex is going to start a Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.